Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about the show, including how you can watch live, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you to my Patreon podcast sponsors, Brenda Drake and Reframe. Hello, everyone. Hi, Lodestar. Hi, Laura. I see y'all in the comments. Welcome to the February 13th episode of Pub Talk Live, the live publishing talk show airing the second and fourth Saturday of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern. I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I'm a young adult author, a board member, and agent liaison of Pitch Wars and a library event planner. You can subscribe to Reminders via email by clicking on the link in the description so you don't miss a show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pub Talk Live. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find a link to the Patreon near the end of the video description down below. You can support the show for starting at $2 a month, but I also have a $1 a month um, level on there now for people who want to support the event newsletter that I do. So just a heads up on that. Um, all right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Today, I am welcoming back the first ever special guest from Pub Talk Live, Terry Michaels. Terry Michaels writes happily ever afters in the big city with heaps of snark, angst, and humor. Her focus is on characters and all the ridiculous ways they trip through life and love. She has written 15 books, including her popular Faith, Love, and Devotion series and the superhero saga, The Vigilante. Vigilante. She teaches frequently about the process of writing at Savvy Authors and works as a consultant and editor. So please welcome back to the show, Terry Michaels. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. And you're um, joining us today as guest co-host. So you switched, you went to the opposite side of the desk. (laughs) I know. I'm very excited. I hope I do a good job. I'm sure you will. (laughs) Um, All right. So the viewer poll for today, if you haven't taken it yet, is have you ever taken advantage of a book pre-order campaign to get free goodies? And I'm going to drop the link in the um, chat right now. So if you haven't voted on that, you can go vote on that. And, and then we'll discuss it kind of at the end of the show. So, um, all right, so we're going to jump into news. So um, I'll start with some good news. HarperCollins saw their best quarterly performance ever in the quarter ending last December with sales rising 23% and earnings rocketing 65% compared to the same quarter a year ago. Which, uh, I mean, people have been saying, like, the industry is in a weird place right now. But that's, I mean, that's their best quarter ever, like, since they started. (laughs) Uh, That's very impressive. I think people are starting to come out of their sort of slump and maybe are interested in in reading again. You know, feeling a little bit more uh, more able to take the time to read. Yeah, well, we've been seeing over and over again that, like, children's, especially children's nonfiction, is doing very well. Um, during the pandemic. So that's probably uh, responsible for some of that bump. Um, Well, I guess my uh, news item is Bridgerton fever. So uh, I assumed that uh, Romance Landia would, you know, be exploding with Bridgerton uh, fever. But the weird part was when it popped up on Business Insider with a story about uh, corset apparel sales going through the roof. Oh, wow. Um, and I saw um, various, uh, various like male news personalities mentioning that they were watching the show. And I thought, wow, that went fa- far fast. Um, so it's interesting to me uh, how far it spread. Um, 
I'm interested to see what comes up next. Like, I think people are just excited about Bridgerton. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see where it uh, ends up. Um, do we see more interesting things like that green lit? Do people get into bonnets? You know, I'm just, I'm curious what happens next. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't. I also didn't expect course of sales to be a Bridgerton effect. Let's start, but that's that's pretty great. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's watching it. You know, like even even my friends who might have like said negative things about romance in the past are are obsessed with it. So, uh, the I guess that's good for us for the romance people. <laughs> All right, so you may have heard this news because it happened about two weeks ago um, and made all kinds of news, but Jeff Bezos will step down as Amazon's CEO, turning his duties over to the current head of Amazon Web Services, and he will become the executive chairman of Amazon instead. So I don't know if that means any changes for the book business. I don't even know how strongly Jeff Bezos has been paying attention to the book business in the last couple of years. Obviously that was the start, that was the focus when he started, but I don't know if this will mean any change for us, but. It depends on what the numbers on the spreadsheet say. I mean, that's the only thing <laughs> I can think of. When the, when the new person takes over, they start, you know, how can we make everything more efficient? But I mm. think that's the only reason, that's the only possibility that it might reach into the publishing side of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so eFair options, um, that was an interesting thing that popped up in Publishers Weekly, um, with schools being remote, one of the most beloved tenants of a school, the book fair, um, they've had to, publishers have had to take it online, um, and it's going actually quite well. Um, Publishers Weekly U.S. Book Show uh, is, has apparently opened registration, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. Um, I uh, am constantly interested um, in the way publishing changes and adapts going forward. Uh, what do we keep? What do we uh, jettison? What do we go back to enthusiastically? Um, so I'm very curious about how this goes for readers and also for authors. Like mm -hmm. what, does, uh, what does interacting with fans look like when things go back to normal, which I feel have to be in italics with air quotes. Um, <laughs> you know, what What do people decide is important? Like, are people very interested in getting together physically or are people more comfortable um, doing things online? So I'm curious to see um, how this changes the industry uh, going forward in terms of events online um, and book fairs online and book signings and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so I dropped the link for the um, the U.S. Book Show presented by Publishers Weekly because we had talked about it either last episode or episode before last, and I said that I would let y'all know when tickets became available, so um, just a heads up on that. But yeah, this is something that obviously I'm really um, surrounded by. I was like on the core team of Everywhere Book Fest, which was the first like large-scale kidlit virtual book fest that happened after the pandemic started. Um, and I also like, I'm excited because some of the standards that I set are like being used in a lot of, um, online events. So, um, I was the one who convinced the team to use StreamYard and now you see a lot of book events are using StreamYard. And I also was the one who suggested they have an on-screen ASL interpreter and you see that in a lot of events too. So, um, 
And then also in my day job, I plan events, right? Um, and so we plan, we had our writers conference a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago that we usually have in person and everyone seemed to really enjoy it. It was great that it was like accessible no matter where you lived. And, you know, if you couldn't find someone to watch the kids or whatever, you could still go, but everyone did seem to really miss like the in-person aspect, like the chatting with other writers and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so I think it's a trade-off, right? <laughs> Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Yeah, I, I think, I, I wonder if it's going to end up becoming more of a hybrid. Um, I was talking to a librarian, I did an, uh, an online uh, workshop um, for a, a library in New Jersey uh, where I live. And I asked her, do you, does it change who shows up at these events now that you do it online? And she said, actually, we reach a wider audience mm -hmm. of people who would not actually be able to or would leave home to go to an event. So I, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious if it's going to end up being hybrid, which I think is taking the best of both worlds. Yeah. Coming, hybrid coming though is, is going to be easier for larger organizations than smaller organizations because that yeah. does take um, a lot more infrastructure and a lot more capital, honestly. It take, it's yeah. more money. Um, so that's going to be something you might see like the big ones going hybrid, but the smaller ones probably won't be able to do that. Yeah, and unless they get very clever uh, <laughs> with how to use Zoom um, and things like that. So yeah. I, I think it's going to take some creative thinking. And quite honestly, I think organizations uh, should be thinking about it right now. And um, we're actually going to be end up talking about that in the interview section, too. Yeah. Oh, how timely we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on, the Authors Guild, Romance Writers America, the National Writers Union, Sisters in Crime, Western Writers America, and the Horror Writers Association have submitted a letter to the Department of Justice asking them to block Penguin Random House's acquisition of Simon & Schuster. They go even further asking the DOG, DOJ to, quote, proactively restructure the entire U.S. market for books in ways that also deal with the danger posed by Amazon. I'm just going to quietly sip my water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, so I read it and I was like, no, this makes sense that like they're opposing this because, um, but then you have like Penguin Random House is saying that their justification for doing it, for wanting to do it is so that they have a bigger entity that can stand up to Amazon when Amazon tries to bully the publishing industry. Um, and so I guess, I don't know. I don't know who's right here. <laughs> I feel well, like it's it's hard for me to get invested in this because like whatever I think is not going to affect the situation. So I'll just wait <laughs> until it all shakes out and then <laughs> figure it out. And then decide how I feel. Well, you know, I always run into these moments where I think publishers care about uh, spreadsheets. Like that's the reality. Like writers, we care about the work and the reader and, you know, and the publishers rightly because it's their money. Um, they care about bottom lines and, and how they can make more money. Like that's just the reality of the situation. So I understand um, where both entities are coming from and it really needs to become of kind of looking at it you have to look at it as a business. And I think sometimes that's really hard for us writers. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for us to go, well, it's a business and also numbers and Chad with a spreadsheet. Like we don't, you know, we're like, but our words and it means things and readers. And they're like, 
I see numbers on a sheet and, you know, valid. Um, we don't have to like it or agree with it. but mm-hmm. um, And a lot of times, because like we talk about the publishers care about money, which is true. But that like the editors inside the publishing house, they care about the writing, but they also have to consider the money so that they can keep their jobs. But then the publishers are usually actually owned by larger media corporations. Right. Um, And so they obviously, the way higher ups like, it's just like any other business to them. I, I tried to tell people that I like to imagine it as a guy named Chad who hasn't read a book since college <laughs> and he makes the final decision. And that like that sounds terrible, but it on- honestly helps me focus a little bit better and not feel like I'm banging my head against the world. It's funny to say that. And it's like, it's it's a weird connection to make. So Reply All, which is a podcast I listen to, has been doing a series about the um, Bon Appetit issues with um, diversity inclusivity. Um, and that is one of the things they talk about is the guy who was in charge of Bon Appetit was not particularly interested in food at all. He came over from GQ. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like at the end of the day, that's it. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I used to write for Martha Stewart's magazine a hundred years ago. um, And she actually cared about this stuff. But generally speaking, most publishers are just somebody who learned, who started at Popular Mechanics and got moved over to like L. Like it's it's literally Chad with a spreadsheet. And, you know, we kind of have to, that's a tough one to swallow. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see if the DOG, DOJ, well, I don't know why I keep saying DOG, DOJ makes any moves on that, but I'll let y'all know when anything happens. Because <laughs> a dog might handle it better. Sorry. Um, okay. So the National Book Foundation has a new executive director in Ruth Dickey, who is serving as the executive director for Seattle Arts and Lectures for the past eight years. Uh, former director Lika, Lisa Lucas left last year. That was a lot of alliteration in a row, as we discussed <laughs> in previous episodes, but now serves on the NBF board. So congratulations to Ruth. Yeah, that was a long, I felt like it was a really long time. Lisa announced she was leaving, like, I think early last year. Um, so they really took some time on <laughs> finding a new director. <laughs> they really did. Um, all right, so our last piece of news, uh, good news for indie authors out there. Barnes & Noble announced new payment structures for BNN Press, its self-publishing platform. There will now be a flat 70% royalty rate on all ebook sales, no matter the price of the ebook, and they will pay within 30 days of the close of the month the sale occurred in. Um, so, uh, oh, I haven't said it yet. So all the news items that we talk about, there's going to be after the show ends, a link in the description where you can read more about each of these. And the link for this is actually just the link for press.barnesandnoble.com um, where you can learn about the whole program. So just a heads up on that if you want to learn more. And it seems to me like they're really a little bit going after Amazon here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because Amazon has that tiered royalty rate. Uh, and they pay, I don't remember, is it 60 days after the close of the month? It's a longer period after the close of the month on the sale. I, I think so. I don't self-publish, so I'm not really sure. But that sounds about right when people get mad. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are some good terms. So we'll see if Amazon responds. I don't know if Barnes & Noble has a big enough market share for Amazon to respond, but 
maybe things start shifting that way? Well, at the very least, that might be a good place for some people to jump on in the beginning mm -hmm. and reap the benefits of it before, you know, yeah. after, you know, it starts to slow down as more people jump onto it. So get in early on the Barnes and Noble thing. I, I would recommend. That's a good idea. Yeah. And um, Joanna Penn's podcast, she talks a lot about these different services that kind of encourage authors to go wide. Um, and she's, she talked recently about um, a service that allows her to sell her audiobooks direct um, instead of going yeah. through a platform. Yeah. Uh, and, and how much more money she gets, you know, on those sales and that kind of thing. So um, interesting. And also Joanna Pan has the platform where she can sell her books direct, <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's also that. But yes, I would agree that you should keep your ears open about what's happening and, you know, be alert. Not wait for somebody to tell you, but like to constantly be alert, um, to be the first person who gets in on something. That's usually the people who do best. Yeah. Like that's just the reality of the situation. So early adopters. Yeah. All right, so now it's time to bring on our special guest. So um, Jennifer Morris blogs about bookish things at Funkin' Fiction as the director of my very favorite convention, Coastal Magic Convention. Um, Coastal Magic Convention is next week, and it is free this year because it's virtual, which we're going to be talking about. So I'm going to drop the link in the chat right now so you can go register for that if you want and figure out how to participate. And please welcome... You've probably seen, you may have seen her on my channel before. She's been here one or two times, Jennifer Morris. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. I mean, we're in the only state in the um, like continental U.S. that isn't getting snow this weekend. So I'm doing pretty good. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I'm, I'm all about not in the snow. Which is why it was part of the reason why Coastal Magic and Daytona work so well over here. <laughs> it, it actually is. I actually planned the timing of Coastal Magic very specifically. Uh, <laughs> it's just far enough past Christmas that people have recovered from their Christmas spending. Mm -hmm. It's early enough that it doesn't intrude upon the larger book conventions that start to happen in March and April. And it's at the end of February is just when it's starting to get warm. Um, for Floridians, like I'm yeah. a native Floridian. So when I say warm, I mean like between 70 and 80. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it gets below like 77 and I start to shiver. Yeah. And it's I like, don't deal well. it's late enough that usually people don't get snowed in, in their towns. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I tell you, there's several coastal magics that I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, um, there, there, there have been some snow ins, but not many. Yeah, I remember the one year there were a couple. Um, all right, so can you start us off by telling us the story of why and how you started Coastal Magic Convention? Yes, um, it's very easy. Jennifer got upset on Twitter. <laughs> um, many years ago. I know. <laughs> Um, many years ago, I was following, I don't even, honest to goodness, I don't even remember which authors it was now, but you know how sometimes authors get together and do tours, like launch release tours where they'll visit six or eight different cities to celebrate the beginning of their, their books, the, the releases. 
So there was a group of authors that I was really interested in and they showed the dates for their tours and they were coming down the East Coast and they get down to like Atlanta and then they went West. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, people in Florida read, come on now. (laughs) And so not being rude or disrespectful or anything, but definitely upset and sad about the situation. I was on Twitter and I had a blog at that point in time. So I um, had been very lucky in that I had met a few of the authors through the blog and we were chatting online and whatnot. Um, And James Artuck, um, who is an author that um, some of you might know, he was at the first few Coastal Magics. He told me, quit whining and make a reason for people to come to Florida, for authors to come to Florida. And I Which was like, well, like, um, a tuck thing to say. <laughs> it is such a tuck thing to say. <laughs> He's like, those were, not his act- <laughs> those were not his exact words either. He did not say stop whining. <laughs> um, yeah, he said something else that means that. <laughs> but he said, he said, create something, make something, give people a reason to come to Florida. I was like, you don't just make something. I was like, that's not a thing that you do. And he was like, well, of course it is. How do you think those things happen? And so basically for the next couple of days, he was like on Twitter, he would be like, hey, Jennifer, have you done something yet? Hey, Jennifer, have you done something yet? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. Um, And then after a couple of weeks, I started to like actually consider it. So again, through the blog, I had, you know, had been fortunate enough that I was familiar with enough authors in the area that I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can pull together 15 or 20 authors in a local hotel or something like that. We'll have a couple of days of of chit chats and conversations. We'll do a book signing. It'll be fun. And so that's how it started out. At the end of my invitation process for the first year, I had 45 authors and um, we were had people coming from all over the country instead of just local Florida, Georgia area. Um, and we ended up with, I think like 150 people that year. Um, at a very unfortunate hotel and so we've learned from that um, to make better choices Uh, but but it did start out um, with a whole lot of Jennifer not knowing what the heck she was doing but a whole lot of encouragement from people who had wonderful ideas I was also there. I was there as an attendee. No, I was there. Was I a featured blogger the first year? You were year? a blogger that year, yeah. First year, yeah. Um, yeah, the birds. <laughs> All of the the old city new blood, because I was called then. We'll remember the mm-hmm. birds. Love it. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I missed that first one. It was It was the... the okay, so when you walked into the... on Right on the beach, very old had been there a long time. Um, I think it was a Howard Johnson's, I believe. Um, When you walked into the lobby area, it had those like terracotta tile floors, not many rugs, just those floors because it was right on the beach and probably four or five cages for giant macaws. So when people walked in and the macaws started to announce, you know, Hi, how you doing? Welcome to the hotel. <laughs> Not only echoed in the lobby, but it echoed all through the entire hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Laura said it was an experience. It was. I mean, we still had a lot of fun, even even though... Um, we did have a lot of fun. Yeah. We did the, have a lot of fun. The venue itself wasn't ideal, but uh, we still there, had a lot of fun. There were a lot of things that went wrong that year, but we had a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, Terry has a question for you. <laughs> I have a, oh God, 
What's your question, Terry? Um, what was the biggest surprise or lesson that you have learned in your years of putting together Coastal Magic? Um, procrastinators make horrible event planners. <laughs> and also, um, I work really well under pressure. And also, um, I think, I don't know that it's necessarily something I've learned, but it's something I've come to appreciate more is um, is the, the the processes that the authors have to go through and all of the things that they have to do in their realm of doing all of the things between the writing and the promoting and everything. Um, what I'm doing is not on their top 10 list of things to do and I am not at all offended by that. Um, I, I do my best to try to fit into their schedule rather than expecting them to fit into mine. And I think that has made a world of difference in getting things done. Writers are neurotic little kittens. <laughs> but I love them. Yeah. Well, they're um, cute, but they're little neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit about how you had known some authors that helped you get started. How did your experience as a book blogger kind of inform your convention planning and you know, the way that you planned your events? Um, well, th some of the things that did the best on the blog were things that I tried to figure out how to do in person. So like posts about the authors kind of in their everyday life and the fun things that they do and their hobbies and whatnot seem to always get as much attention as the here's my new book and let me tell you all about it post. Because of course, as readers, we want to hear all about the new books. Like we're all about that. But we also really get involved and interested in what's going on in the lives of the people that write these stories for us. So from the very beginning, the idea has always been to try to um, allow the readers and the authors to interact as much as possible in both strictly bookish ways and also in just chilling out and having fun just as people that happen to have some common interests um and that that came from the blog that came from seeing that those posts and that those interactions on the blog went really well yeah i, I definitely think that's the case i love um i think you've done it at least once before and i've seen it at other cons the kind the kind of like care and feeding of authors panel where like spouses mm -hmm. or family members will will talk about what it's yeah. like to live with an author and those are always so mm -hmm. fun i think you had a, one year it was like kp and yeah uh, who's karen kelly's spouse and hildy mcqueen's daughter was on it right i think um lit i think um uh, lucian diver's husband was there um and I feel yeah. like we had one more. I think we had four. I think we had four. Mm -hmm. It was um, fun. Pairs. Yeah. It was yeah. yeah. Oh, it was fun. Oh, no. Laura found pictures of the first hotel. <laughs> Laura, share oh. them on Twitter. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> just tag Pum Tonk Alive and I'll retweet them. <laughs> um, you know what? You know what happened with that hotel, too? To begin with, they told us that they were, when we first looked at the hotel, they told us that we they were doing renovations. They showed us these one area that they had renovated, and they showed us these other couple of areas. They're like, we're all through this summer. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to renovate these areas. So by the time your convention happens in February, this is going to be like these grand things and, and this big description. 
come February A, those things had not been done. <laughs> um, so we had we had all sorts of issues with you know the rooms and the the um, status of things. Mm-hmm. But but after the convention was done, after we paid them for their services, such that they were like less than a month later, they were painting the hotel, like a brand new color, like the whole thing on the outside, they were painting it when we were driving by it. Two months later, they shut down, the building was condemned, and now it's gone. It's not even there anymore. They bulldozed it. (laughs) There's a story there. There's a body in a wall, is all I'm saying. I blame the the Our event... The person who was the liaison person between the management of the hotel and us that was helping us plan our event quit the weekend of our event. Like she was there the when we got there the first day, she was not there the second two days. <laughs> That's so I'm, great. I'm, I'm having event planner like twitches right now. <laughs> yeah, all, all three of and us. And that was my year planner. one, Terry. That was my first year. <laughs> getting a twitch in my eye i'm having flashbacks um so let's change that direction uh from terrible what is your favorite part of running coastal magic like what is your like we all event planners have a moment where we go this wasn't the worst decision of my life what is your coastal magic i i I I have I have that moment when we're doing this in person on Saturday after the signing. Mm. Once the signing's done, I pretty much coach through the rest of it. I figure if I've gotten to this point, everything else is gravy. Nice. And it's not, it's not even so much that the signing's my favorite part. I mean, I enjoy the signing. I like the signing. I participate. Yeah. I go around and buy books just like every other little fangirl. But... I, that's, that's kind of the hump for me, you know, when I'm like, okay, we've gotten through the bulk of things. I'm sorry. Logistically, it's a lot. It's the, the, probably the last time in the convention where you have all the authors in the same room. Right. Because usually Saturday night, we still have like a game night and some other things going on. And then we still have panels on Sunday. So there is still stuff happening, but that's the point where I can kind of relax. Um, and then, I mean, I enjoy the things that happened before then, like all on Friday night and all day Saturday and whatnot. Um, I, I pop in and out of panels and, you know, I talk to people in the hall and things like that. So I'm enjoying myself, but I really, I get to kind of unload a little bit after the signing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lodestar asked a question in the comments I wanted to get to, have you ever had a weird writer from a guest? I will say Coastal Magic have- doesn't a anything any authors and that's usually when you see writers when you when you're paying an author right that. i i would love to be able to to be able to do um writer fees i think that would be amazing um it, they certainly earn it and deserve it um you'll get no question from me at, about that at all um unfortunately without having um big dollar sponsors um, to cover the cost of the food and cover the cost of the rooms and cover the cost of all these other things. It's just not an option. Um, yeah. We are not backed by a publisher. We're not backed by huge dollars from big authors. We're not, we don't, we don't have those resources. So um, it's just not, not an option. 
if if I ever get to that point, like I don't anticipate Coastal Magic ever growing um, the the audience growing more than it is. Like I, I have for years, I've had a cap of 300 people, period. Um, because, well, for a couple of reasons, I don't, I don't think I could, I would feel comfortable trying to manage more than that. Um, and too much more than that, and you lose something about the the community and the 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 togetherness that we have with the mm. numbers that we have. So I don't ever really want it to be much bigger than that anyway. However, um, if we were to get some publisher or some organization that said this little bitty event is super cool and we really want to be associated with it and we really want to sponsor it and we are at a point where we don't have to take in money or we're able to pay out money in order to have authors come i'm all for that um it's just we're not we're not at that point yeah um but yeah, so usually a writer happens whenever um you're paying a guest i will i wanted to mention this writer I won't say who the author is, but it's it's a super, super international best-selling author, right? Like, you know who this person is, I guarantee you. Um, like, my dad hasn't read a book in his entire life, and he knows who this person is, right? Um, and so his writer came to us, and he wanted, when he was signing books, he wanted a chair to sit in and a table on which to sign his books. And he wanted um, a water while he was speaking and a Diet Coke when he was in the green room. That was it. And I'm like, is he going to events where they're not giving him a chair to sit in for his signing? <laughs> That's the only reason why this would say that is if, and so I kind of tweeted about it and several authors responded to me. Yes, they'd been to signings where they weren't given a chair. They weren't given a table to sign on. Um, they, I can't even imagine. Like someone told me that like no one had a chair. Like they did an event where they were standing up and the audience was also standing up. <laughs> while they were talking to them. <laughs> so I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm a really good event planner. <laughs> wow. So what you're saying is- Holy moly. Spoil authors is what we're, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try to spoil my authors. I spoil my, I spoil, I spoil my authors to the extent that I am able. <laughs> yeah, having water- I, I try to think of things that will make them easier. Yeah. Well, so having water for panels, I feel like is a bare minimum for, yeah. <laughs> for, mm -hmm. If you're having people talk for an hour or even 30 minutes, like they need water. Yes, I agree. Fair. Um, goodness. Goodness. I can't even um, imagine. And now I'm afraid. Um, if I get asked to do anything, will there be water? Um and a seat, or should I bring my own folding chair? <laughs> Imagining myself walking around the folding chair. I, I pledge there will always be water and chairs at Coastal Magics. <laughs> um, so this year, um, Coastal Magic virtual. Um, it was actually my last conference before uh, lockdown happened. Um, most, people most people, we we got through Coastal Magic, got home, and then stayed in our yeah, house for we, nine months. 
we 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 skipped by right there at the tail end of of life as quote unquote normal. Yeah, it was like there were there were rumblings because I remember uh, my sister laughed at me because I bought like six big giant bottles of hand sanitizer so I could put one in every room. Um, so there was there was like the, the words were out there and people were like talking about it, but we had no idea what the extent was going to be. Yeah. March was so, going to go up. Um, so you're you're virtual this year. Correct. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a change. Um, what do you feel like your biggest challenge was um, switching to a virtual conference this year? Um, honestly, my biggest challenge is me. Again, back to the beginning when I said that procrastinators make horrible event planners. <laughs> um, there's a reason that I have that thought. Um, I, When we're doing things in person, I don't know. It feels... I feel like, and not so much even that if we're doing it in person, I think that I've done it so often in person that my timeline is kind of set and I kind of in, in the routine now, but having to switch things over to virtual, it changes the whole promotional um, schedule because when we're doing it in person, we need to give people enough time to plan travel, mm -hmm. um, save money for tickets and travel and books and all of that kind of stuff. There are things that have to be done in a certain timeline. Those things have to change when you're doing virtually because for a virtual event, if you talk about it eight months ahead of time, they are not going to remember that they're going to be doing something eight months from now. Yeah. So that the whole timeline of everything had to change. And the way that we approach the promotion and the way that we approach the um, the participation leading up to it, because we still wanted to do things leading up to the event so that there was presence and there was a little bit of word of mouth going on, things like that. But it wasn't, it wasn't the same that we had been doing in previous years. Um, so trying to figure out how to switch the promo and, and work out a timeline that made sense um, was very difficult for me. And keeping to, even when I thought that I had it figured out, keeping myself to that, um, is not necessarily my strongest um, <laughs> virtue. Yeah, with the virtual con, someone can sign up up until it starts. People can sign up, I mean, if you let them, like after it starts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So so basically the way it's going to work, the panels are, um, are obviously are going to be live. Um, well, I, I can't say obviously because there's a lot of places that have been pre-recording and, and showing them. So I can't say obviously. All of our panels are going to be live. And um, people will be able to watch them either on the um, Coastal Magic Facebook page, the public page, or we'll share them into one of the different groups that we have. We're actually also going to partner with um, Continual, which is uh, a group that got started when all of the conventions get, started getting canceled. Um, they basically started pulling people in to do panels just forever and ever and ever, just ongoing. They don't plan on stopping. It's basically just an, an ongoing, never-ending convention. I wanted to be able to give um, two options for people. So if you weren't necessarily interested in one panel that's happening, you still had something else you could do, which is the, what we do in person at Coastal Magic. We have three panels happening at a time so that there's something for everyone um, to be interested in. We can't do two lives on Facebook, though. 
So we're going to do one set of panels on the Coastal Magic page, one set of panels on the Continual page on Saturday, but then share them all through all the regular Coastal Magic platforms. If you want to watch them, no problem. Everything is free. Whether you participate or watch, it's all free. You just go to the link, um, the post when it goes live, and you're there. If you want to have a chance to ask a question, question live on screen like we're doing right now um you guys were talking in the beginning and then when it was my turn to, to come on you pulled me in from a waiting area basically that's what we're going to do we're going to have a sign up form before each panel people can sign up and say yes i have a question for this panel here's my email address to send me a zoom link here's the question i want to ask the moderator is going to go right before the panel well about 20 minutes before the panel pick four or five people send them a link They'll be, just like I was, kind of hanging out in the background while the panel's happening. And then at the end, the moderator will have each person come on live and ask their question. It's the closest thing I could come up to, come up with to kind of replicate the, the at the end of panels when you've, you're done in person talking to everybody on, you know, at the table. And then the audience gets to ask questions. They stand up. They get to talk to the person that they're asking the question to. They see them face to face and they're having a conversation with them. I, that was the best thing I could come up with to kind of replicate that. And this way, if like, if somebody wanted to take a screen cap, it's, it's almost like you're getting a picture with the author that you're talking to. You know, the, I, I was trying to think of ways to, to, um, to mimic the things that happened in a, in-person coastal magic the best mm -hmm. I could. Yeah. So you have like a live studio audience. <laughs> Essentially. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, this kind of ties into my next question. Um, so we had the writers conference at the library two weeks ago, which is one of our biggest events. And we did it mm -hmm. virtually this year. Um, and, and that was one of the things is like the, the writers definitely value like that face-to-face -face time they get with each other, like in between the panels and, mm -hmm. and afterwards and stuff. And so one of the things I did to kind of help alleviate that was at the end of each day, we had networking sessions for specific, like, um, genres so like science science fiction one in this room romance one in this room whatever and they could kind of introduce each other it was mm -hmm. moderated but they still got a little face-to-face -face time um but then yeah i didn't realize um because of course i'm an extrovert so i'm like missing the people i'm missing being in the room with the people and feeling the energy mm -hmm. um but afterwards the team was kind of talking about how it went and and um and then i realized oh like when it was over when the event was over that was it. Like we closed our computers and, and that was it. Where in, in real life, when the event was over, we had to spend like two hours taking down materials, taking down AV stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just like much easier cleanup. So that was probably like my favorite thing about switching to virtual. So my question for you right. is, is there anything you like more about a virtual event over an in-person one? We have authors involved in Coastal Magic this year that I have invited for many years before. And for whatever reason, whether it be a money situation or a travel situation or a timing situation, we're not able to attend. They were always very nice about their, you know, rejection letters or whatever. <laughs> you know, they, they, they had nice things to say. They would love to do it, but just for whatever reason, they couldn't. Um, and so we've got a couple authors this year that are able to do it strictly because we don't have those same problems. So that's been really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that... 
I don't know that there's really anything else that I prefer more about a virtual event, um, aside from being able to have, um, have, basically we're sidestepping some of the obstacles that authors had, which I think is cool. Um, mm -hmm. There are some things that I like enough that I will probably try to find a way to incorporate them even in an in-person event. Like I might still try to have a panel, one panel on Saturday night and one panel on Friday night um, that is a virtual and includes authors that were interested but couldn't come to the event. You know, I, I don't know that that will necessarily work, but it's something I'm considering. Um, there are a couple of things that I think have worked out really well, like our reading challenge. The reading challenge girls have been ridiculous. Um, they've been, they've just been crazy. They support the authors like, like, mm -hmm. it's, it's just insane. They've read tons of books. They've promoted books. They promoted the authors. They've been involved in chats. So the reading challenge is definitely something that has kind of blossomed through the virtual experience. And I don't anticipate that will change. So I, I think it's probably a tie between the things that the reading challenge people have done, um, which my sister's in charge of that, Delorean, and she's, she's just done gangbusters with that. It's been insane. Mm -hmm. Um, between the reading challenge and access to some of these authors that aren't able to join us on a regular basis, I think those are my two favorite things. Yeah. The reading challenge uh, gals are hardcore. Delirium. Hardcore doesn't even uh, cover. <laughs> we should put them in charge of something major because they'll just handle it. They'll, they gave me a deadline for my next book. <laughs> yeah. The, the um, forms, Sarah, can you put that back up there, that, yeah. that comment again? What that means, 1,221 reading challenge forms have been submitted. What that means is that the readers who are participating in the reading challenge, which starts on June 1st and ends, actually ends today, today's the last day of the reading challenge, 1,221 books by Coastal Magic authors have been read and reviewed Oh, wow. By our attendees. Yeah, that's great. In order to fill out the form, they have to read the book and do a review. That's awesome. That is sincerely badass. If I may <laughs> use a bad word. Um, actually, we had another question for you, and this is a good question um, from Mo. Um, what is the what do the author signings look like for you? Because you've done something, I think, very interesting um, with your author signings. So um, can you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. Um, again, in the interest of trying to replicate as closely as I could possibly um, what would happen in an in, in-person signing. Um, so imagine you're at an in-person signing, you walk into the room, you look around, you find an author you want to have a book from, you go over to the author, you pay for the book, and you stand there while they're signing it, and you get to chat for a minute. You ask a question, you talk about how much you love their book, you, you know, make small talk, you get two or three minutes with them while they're signing the book. Sometimes you get a picture of the whole nine yards. So the, the best way I could come up with to do that was um, the authors who wanted to do a live signing, pardon me, um, made order forms for their books. Those are posted on the um, Coastal, in, in the Coastal Magic Facebook group. And each author has their own thread with the link to their order form. People put in their orders, they pay for their books. When it comes to, on Sunday of the event, which is the 21st, anybody who has purchased a book or some people don't have 
um, print books, they have ebooks. So they're going to do book plates. They're going to sign a book plate. So um, you can sign up to sign a book plate. You can do any number of different things, whatever the author wanted to do for their sign up. So if you have done that, you filled out the form, the form includes an email address. So what we'll do is Sunday morning, each author will get the email addresses from them. We'll send a Zoom link to the people that have purchased the books. And then those people will be able to sign in at the appropriate time for their author, sign into Zoom, be on screen with the author while the author is signing the books that they've purchased, and be able to talk to him, ask questions, and say hi, and chit-chat, and do a screen cap to take a picture with the author while they're signing the book, whatever. Um, but it gives them that kind of as close to face-to-face -face contact as we can get while they're doing their, their signing. I think that's a very fun idea. Mm. I hope so. In my head, it's fantastic. Well, uh, mine in particular is anybody who wants to uh, can come into my uh, Zoom room and they will get a book plate signed by me. Mm. I got special nice. book plate. And but, but in order to do it, yeah, in order to do it, they still have to sign up on the form, even if there's no purchase, because we have to be, have an email address to send to them. Mm -hmm. So everybody sign up uh, on the links and uh, you get free stuff in the mail. And I think everybody agrees that free stuff in the mail <laughs> is the best uh, thing that we can do for each other. Yeah. I like it. I'm not, I'm not doing a signing, but I am doing a meet and greet Monday at I think 9.30. So. Um, and you don't need to right. sign up for that. Yeah. Okay. So last question, Jennifer, you know what's coming because you've seen the show before, right? Oh, Jesus. I know what's coming. You forgot about it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Study for the final question. Oh. You know oh, more than I know what's coming. I know. Where's Ebony? Ebony's going to be so disappointed in me. I'm going to make sure Ebony sees this. All right. So the question is um, that I ask every guest, what is the most important book you've ever read and why with you defining important however you would like? Um, you know what? I don't know that it's a specific book, but when I was in elementary school, um, the Doyle collection of Greek mythology, I literally went through every single, there was probably 15 or 20 volumes of this um, in my elementary school library. And I would literally, instead of going to, to recess, I would go, I would get a special permission from my teacher to go to the library in elementary school to read those on during recess. That turned into me in middle school, spending my summers at the library, helping, helping with inventory and resetting the libraries and being mm -hmm. able to access books. And in junior high, speaking of book fairs, I would get passes out of my classes and I would stay in the library and help with the book fair all day long and then go home and do all my work for homework. Um, <laughs> so I think, I, I don't know that it was necessarily a specific book, but I remember clearly that that collection of Doyle's Greek mythology when I was in elementary school, that those are the books that that made me interested in reading, which has in turn turned into everything else. Nice. That's a very cool answer. Awesome. And I've tried to find them. I, w I wanted to buy a set of those and I can't oh, find yeah. them anywhere. It's Aww. very disappointing. Mm. Um, one day. One day I'll find them. Yeah. I hope you do. Uh, okay. So since Lodestar mentioned it, um, I am at the convention mainly under the name Aria Kane, by the way. So if you're looking for me, 
um, you'll see that name um, probably, I think, more often than Sarah Nicholas. Um, so just a heads up on that. That's my adult romance name. Um, all right, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming today and chatting with us. And yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me. And Coastal Magic Convention events start on Monday. So um, yeah, go to the website. It's linked in the description um, and you can find out more and see the schedule. Is the schedule up live yet? The, the schedule is live. And awesome. actually the link that you posted earlier is the header page. Like there's a, a main page and then there's like a baby page oh. underneath. The schedule is the baby page to that. So if you go to that page that you put up the link for um, and just look um, like mouse over it, it'll say schedule underneath it. Loads how you spelled it correctly. So good job. Um, all right. So Jennifer, thank you so much. I'm gonna we're gonna say goodbye to you and finish out a couple things. All right. See you later. All right. That was fun. That was a great convo. I liked it. She's the best. Um, Everybody show up next week. Come, Jennifer, come yeah. Hang out with us. We're gonna have some fun stuff. I'm all over the place. I can't even tell you where I am, but I'm all over the place. So <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, I think I have it on my planner. <laughs> that's where my entire life lives. So, yeah, same. um, that giant book behind me, that's my, yeah. plan. um, so this, the audiobook of the week this week is actually one I listened to a little while ago because the last two books I listened to are, were, um, nonfiction books and they were, they were quite long. And even though I found them interesting, they were a little bit of a slog. So I reached back to what I'd listened to, uh, um, earlier in the year. And I, uh, this was actually almost the audiobook of the year. The first, the first audiobook of the year, a week, a week, sorry, the audiobook of the week, the first of the year, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, but then I listened to Grown and it replaced it because Grown was like, blew me away. So it's, uh, Wanders by Chuck Wendig. Um, and so the, the description from the publisher, like the little teaser is a decadent rock star, a deeply religious radio host, a disgraced scientist, and a teenage girl who may be the world's last hope. Um, so it's basically about a pandemic <laughs> um, that uh, starts to take over the world. And there are these people who are, they um, basically are kind of catatonic, but they're walking. They're just walking constantly. And they're um, almost impenetrable, like, they can be shot, but like, that's about it. Um, they can't be cut or anything like that. Um, and so they're, they find out it's related to the pandemic. And then there's also like, um, kind of right wing militias, like going a little crazy. So, um, yeah, it's very timely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was reading and I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it was, it was, it's a long book. It's 800 pages in print. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it was, I was listening to it for a while, but I did, I never got bored. I was, I always enjoyed it. So um, I think it's a good book and I recommend it if you um, can handle the pandemic and the right wing militia stuff. There's also um, content warning a, uh, a rape scene as well. So just heads up on that. Um, well, it doesn't matter if it's new or not. I will just uh, have a slight moment here. Um, my husband has gotten obsessed with the old show, The Greatest American Hero. If I may date myself, I'm very old. Um, and we watched the pilot um, episode and it had a right wing militia who was attempting to take over the government. And I was going, what is happening? Like, I was <laughs> 
I am deeply uncomfortable that this is, this was early eighties. And I was like, I don't really know what to do with myself right now. So really yeah. it's everywhere. Apparently you can't mm -hmm. even take refuge in bad eighties. In old stuff. Yeah. In old, uh, bad sci-fi television. So. Jay said, you could have listened to a double speed. Jay knows full well. I listened to my audiobooks in 1.8 speed. <laughs> so um, it's a 32-hour audiobook. So it would have been around 17, 18 hours for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long book. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go to the um, poll. And this is just something that I've always been interested in because I see authors setting up pre-order campaigns all the time. And I'm like, do 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 a lot of people participate these in these? Or I guess it also depends on what goodies they're giving away. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. Uh, where is it? There, there it is. And we can take a look at the results. Um, 51 people voted. 41% said no. They have never participated in a pre-order campaign. 49% has said a couple times, and about 10% said often. Um, have you ever participated or done one, Terry? Um, no, I actually haven't. Um, but I, I, I'm feeling like young adult books are more likely to do that. Yeah, YA does it a lot. Um, YA would do that more. Um, you know, I've never, I've never done anything like that. I mean, I encourage pre-orders, um, and I find that they're very popular in my series, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't ever done that. I should probably do that. Does anybody want a sticker? <laughs> I will say like stickers and pens are probably the most compelling for me, but I also know pins are like pretty expensive for the author to do. Yeah. Um, but I'll, also I'm a minimalist. And so I'm like, I don't want more stuff coming into my house. <laughs> that is a big part of it. I mean, uh, small things that you can have. Um, I, I still like bookmarks. Um, because I do actually read real physical books. Um, mm. So I love bookmarks or a great sticker, um, but I'm really picky about my pens. Um, I am not a minimal minimalist when it comes to pens, but I'm picky. <laughs> I, it's like I'm buying a car. I got to feel the weight of it. I got to. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm not pin, like button, like lapel yeah. pens, not writing pens. Yeah. There has, um, to, there has to be some interaction. So that is like my favorite swag because at conventions, usually a lot of authors will have swag in their signing tables and stuff. And my favorites has always been like the super useful ones. So like I glass cloths, like the cleaning cloths, that's like a win for me because I need a lot of those. Yeah. Um, and chip clips. <laughs> <laughs> Love chip clips. Yeah, I have those. I clearly use the eyeglass things, but I'm a pen person. Like I will stock tables and, you know, be mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, <laughs> making this, this is good. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Laura said, the pre-order campaign has never convinced me to buy a book I wasn't already interested in. Um, and then Jen commented, I've done a few, usually it's for something I'm already excited for that has made a difference between pre-order and getting it day of a few times. So yeah. I, I think um, a bonus, like extra little story mm. would be the one thing that would probably get me to pre-order something. Yeah. Like, to be quite honest, if it was like a special little short story you could only get with, um, that, that would definitely be, um, 
you would definitely get my pre-order dollars for that. Yeah, I've seen people do that too. So um, yeah, especially if they already have like a following, it's probably really useful. Yeah, for a series or even the start of a series, like something little bonus. I think people are always looking for um, the extra matter. You know, they want the little story. They want the um, uh, they want the little bit of knowledge, the little bit of fun with it. So yeah, and a lot yeah. of times those those stories are like fan service too. They're like giving the fans yes. a moment that they want, which is great. Absolutely, yeah. the fan service. Yeah, <laughs> give me the extra bit. All right. Um, so Terry, thank you so much for joining me on the show again. Um, so I, I mentioned when Erin and Shana Kelly on, was on that she was our first recurring guest, but I actually lied to everyone because Brenda Drake was our first recurring guest who was oh, on the show cool. with you because we did a special Pitch Wars committee episode and she was on for that. So you are a third returning guest. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Terry, thank you so much. Um, Terry's information website and social media is in the description. Um, so make sure you go and follow her and um, join us for Coastal Magic next week and you'll see Terry on panels and such. And I'm going to finish this up with just a couple notes and um, I'll, I'll see you later, Terry. Bye. Thank you, everybody. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in live. If you're here live with us, if you're watching the replay, thank you for watching the replay. And as always, if you're listening on the um, uh, podcast, I appreciate you listening on podcast. However you're getting the show, I appreciate you uh, tuning in. So if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like and subscribe right down there so you don't miss another episode. Also tell your friends because that's how they find out about shows like this. You can also subscribe to email reminders in the description. There's a link for that um, if you so you don't want to miss a show. Uh, the Patreon link is also in the description if you want to support the show on Patreon with $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. Um, and thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. I have a new Patreon supporter who's not on the slide, so I did want to mention it. Um, and it's Ruth, and she's not on the slide yet because I yet, I don't yet know how she wants to be um, listed there. So uh, thank you to everyone who support me supports me on Patreon. The social media for our guests is in the description, so please um, go check them out. And we have a couple of things upcoming. We're doing Wednesday write-ins every week at 8 p.m., so that's for about an hour and a half. You don't have to be writing. Um, this week, someone was uh, cleaning their house, so they would do 20-minute cleaning sprints and then come chat with us for 10 minutes and then go clean for 20 minutes. So you don't have to be writing, but um, that's what it is for if you want to write. <laughs> um, and February 22nd, I just scheduled that this week. Uh, I have an agent chat live with Kimberly Cameron, who's a literary agent who's been in the business for about 30 years. So she's probably the most experienced agent we've had on agent chat live. So make sure you tune in for that. And then the next Pub Talk Live in two weeks, February 27th, is going to be with Jane Friedman, who I'm very excited to have on the show. Um, Jane Friedman, if you don't know, is like kind of a, a publishing expert. Um, she has a, a great blog and a great website and newsletter and everything. Um, so I'm really excited to hear all, get all the kind of like wisdom from her because I'm sure she has a lot to um, provide for us. I think that's everything. Thank you all so much for watching. Hopefully we'll see you at those some of those upcoming events. Hopefully we'll see you at Coastal Magic. Uh, the, the links for the news items are going to go up as soon as we're done here. Um, and everyone stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and I'll see you next time. Bye.